Franklin inbounding, full court pressure by the Cougars. Hamlet will retrieve the inbound pass. Five seconds to go. Hamlet from the left wing. She will put up a floater, drive to the basket, and the Crusaders win at the buzzer! Here's Reynolds, step back, 4-3, and the win, no good. Valpo wins! Valpo wins! Valpo wins 94-91. Valpo advances the best game I've ever seen for the Valpo women's basketball team. They beat the Detroit Titans by a score of 94-91. Valpo wins the game. They advance to round two of the Horizon League tournament. This is the Overtime Podcast, the official podcast of the Valparaiso women's basketball team. Each week, we bring you in-depth interviews and discuss all the latest in Crusader hoops. And now, let's meet the starting lineups for today's episode. From Miami, Florida, Justin Reese. And from Portage, Indiana, Brandon Vickery. And we welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Valpo Women's Basketball Overtime Podcast. Brandon Vickery here with Valpo Assistant Coach Justin Reese as we look back at the 2016-2017 Valpo Women's Basketball season. We'll talk about the Rising Link Tournament. We'll look ahead to the future of the program. And Justin, uh, boy, it's always kind of uh, sudden. The season ends and you go from day after day looking forward and ahead to the next game. And then all of a sudden, Justin, there's not a game for us for a while. Yeah, it's a, it's a different take, um, different feeling, different uh, everything when you uh, walk into your office and uh, the season's come to an end. You kind of you kind of wonder for a quick second uh, what to do with yourself when there's no game plan or, or a specifically an opponent that you need to be breaking down film for. So, um, but uh, that passes pretty quickly, and you realize you've got a lot to to look forward to and a lot to uh, to keep building on, and, and you immediately uh, shift your gears to the recruiting trail. Uh, and then how you're going to you know, build and develop your current roster. So hands are full. Uh, the kids are on break now, well-deserved, uh, getting a, a few days rest at home for the most part. Um, but for us as a staff, it's, it's time for adjustment, time for changes uh, in the sense, and also uh, you know, kind of reorganizing and shifting gears to making sure we're prepared for the recruiting season coming up. Yeah, I think people know that for a college coach, the grind really never stops. The season's really never over, right? Yeah, that's a question that's pretty commonly asked, actually, among people who aren't in the in the know, if you will, about what an actual college basketball coach does. And so, what do you do in the summer? As if you know, we walk away and uh, teach summer school or something to that <laughs> effect. So, um, it doesn't quite work that way. The recruiting seasons are about to pick up. There'll be a bunch of windows here coming up uh, right off the bat here in April. Um, there's also some uh, junior college recruiting that you could get your, get your hands into if uh, that's part of your recruiting plan. Uh, and then you prepare for camps and your skill workouts, and then you've got a huge summer w- window where you're recruiting pretty much the entire month of July. So uh, there's a lot to, to kind of deal with and a lot to, to get our hands into. Well, let's start by talking about the last two games of the season, the two Horizon League tournament games. And, uh, boy, was it big to get a tournament win to beat Youngstown State. It felt like that was a huge game for the program going in and got the win and did it rather convincingly by a score of 79-62 to and a really outstanding shooting and rebounding performance against Youngstown. Yeah, I think it was a game that uh, we felt as a staff that uh, was a must-win. I mean, I think not just for the team, uh, but for the program, as you mentioned, for us as a coaching staff, uh, all around a really important game that we felt like we needed to kind of continue the momentum we had created throughout the month of, uh, month of February. 
uh, having our full complement of players, or at least for the most part, the kids that uh, we've had since the beginning of the year, and all of them relatively healthy and, and ready to go. Uh, we hadn't had that pretty much the entire season, so it was nice to kind of look down the bench and, and know you had some weapons or some ideas and some, some different avenues to get to. So we felt like, again, going into this game, we had a solid matchup with Youngstown. Uh, we knew we had handled them pretty well uh, last time we met uh, and felt like we could do the same again if we were able to play and dominate the way we were inside. And, and our bigs really stepped up and did that again for us that night. And how about Amber Linfors in this one? 12 points, 15 rebounds, 5 blocks. And you mentioned the bigs, and she was certainly huge again. The second time against Youngstown, she played a big factor. Both sides of the floor. I mean, she was a, a huge threat to us on the offensive end. We were able to get it into her. I mean, she goes 6 of 9. That's incredibly efficient. Uh, she gives us 15 huge boards, 7 on the offensive end, which were huge because we were already shooting at a relatively high clip for most of the game, at least on the odd quarters. And I mean the first and third, we shot really, really well. Uh, and those seconds and fourth where the, the shooting kind of cooled off a little bit, she was big to make sure we maintained possessions and were able to get good looks for the rest of our team. Uh, and then again on the defensive line, she shuts down for the most part there. Freshman of the year, Mary Dunn, their post player, held to only eight points. Uh, kept her off the free throw line. We didn't foul her. And Amber, again, coming in with five huge blocks. And again, we talk about it almost every podcast. If you were to look and start you know, st- having statistics for alters or, or shot blocks in the sense of just mental mistakes and things that she causes because of her presence, uh, she'd be in the double figures for that again. So to see her really defend the way she did, own the paint, uh, really defended their post player, freshman of the year, Mary Dunn, very, very well. Uh, big credit goes to Amber and the way she showed up in that particular game, posting a huge double-double for us. And again, uh, would have had a double-double if you count blocks and shot alterations and things like that. And then you go down the line to our big-time score and what Danny Franklin was able to do. She throws up a huge double-double as well, going 19 and 11. Uh, that was a big number for her. And again, not just the points, but just efficiently. She did it you know, on 50% shooting, uh, got herself to the foul line a little bit, was still trying to improve that as, as we'll move forward in her career. But again, she was very efficient in her minutes. Normally she's up near 40. Uh, This particular game, we were able to kind of give her some rest minutes and things that we weren't able to do during most of the year. Uh, She did that again, 19-11 in all in about 30 minutes, so that was huge. And she had a difficult uh, defensive assignment as well. The way Youngstown likes to play or was forced to play this season, however you want to look at it due to injuries and things like that, they went a little bit smaller. So her ability to kind of handle their inside-out threat uh, that she was forced to to, to defend was really really special for her. So to see both both players show up at both ends of the floor was huge for us. I think it really opened up the way we were able to play on the perimeter, made them feel super confident, and again, to see our perimeter players really step up and hit shots uh, was huge for us. And Meredith Hamlet, one of those players, she goes 6 of 7, shooting 16 points, her first time in double figures since the first matchup uh, against Youngstown State, when she had 29 back on January the 14th. And it's big to have her scoring, and she did it very efficiently in that game. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was in great, and I can't stress that enough to see Meredith have a game like that again. Uh, to see her play with the confidence and, and, and the talent that she's more than capable of, uh, it was huge for us. Again, six of seven, as you already talked about, two of three from the three-point line, 16 points. And again, she did that in about 20, 23 minutes too. So again, the time frame these young ladies were coming and able to be super efficient was huge for us. Uh, but more importantly, just, just to see that kid have a great game, uh, to see the ball go in the hole for us. She's had a difficult year as far as being consistent, and it's not because of the work rate. She's put the time in in the gym. She's working on her shot every single day. 
uh, it's just a positive confidence thing to see that happen. So you feel good about a kid having a game like that. It's great to have that happen right toward the end of the season, build some confidence going forward. And another player who finished strong is Caitlin Morrison. She has a career-high 11 points, ties a career-high with eight rebounds. She really rebounded well late in the season. Four of six shooting in this game started to get more efficient after during certain stretches of the year she was inefficient shooting. How did you see her progress over the course of this year? Well, look, I'm going to be the first one to tell you I think she should have been on the all-freshman team, and you can call it bias or whatever the case may be, but I don't see it at all. When you wrap up and you, you see the other freshmen uh, who came into the, the Horizon League this year, there's no question in my mind she's in the top five and should have been on that team. I think, obviously, our wins and losses affected that. Um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. They're certainly not going to listen to my vote, especially now. But uh, she's put in the work, especially the second half of the year. And when the, when the, it seemed like when the new year hit and, and she started coming in for extra work and uh, just really putting her mind to it and really kind of she's already adjusted to the coaching she's adjusted to the speed now she was just ready to jump in and, and move and take that next step and when, when she was able to do that and wanted to do that you saw the consistency really start to step up in the in the sky is only going to be the limit for that kid as again she's going to stuff the stat sheet for us again you look at the stat sheet you can see she's got a statistical category in every single one you know the one you don't want one is turnovers and she had a big fat zero there so the kid did a little bit of everything in that game. That's what you're going to see from her down the line. Uh, and again, a, a little disappointed for her uh, in not reaching that honor. Uh, but I think this was a, a, good, a good calling card for her to come out in this game, in this environment, in this kind of showcase and show what she's capable of. Let's talk. You touched on the odd quarters in this game. Let's talk about the third quarter because that's the one that you look at the quarter-by-quarter quarter scoring and it obviously stands out, 31 points, the most you've ever scored in a quarter, and it sounds like an embellishment, but of course it's only the second year that there have been quarters instead of halves, and so it was actually the most ever scored by the program in a quarter. Just what went right and how were you able to use that third to pull away from Youngstown? I think a little bit of everything. Uh, most importantly, it's been a focus all year, and, and some games much better than others, as we've talked about. Third quarters have been a problem for us, or just starts coming out of breaks. Um, and we really felt like we needed to have a good one coming out here to make sure we got the win. Uh, we didn't want to give Youngstown the opportunity to feel like they could stay in the game with the way they can shoot the three and get hot with their perimeter scores, and again with the freshman of the year inside. If they could get a little bit of confidence uh, we felt like they could make a serious game out of it, and that was just something we weren't prepared for and didn't want to see happen, especially when you know when you're in the tournament format. you got to turn around and play the next day, so we're hoping to give kids a few minutes rest if we could, knowing we were going to have the short turnaround for the next day. Uh, we just came out and really executed what we wanted to do, but I think the biggest thing was the, the defensive mentality that we came out of out of the break was huge. Again, we've talked about it several times on the podcast. Our defensive efficiency has been one of the top halves in the conference and again you could see in moments that we're one of the better teams defensively when we were locked in and had our our full unit together and that's what you got to see in that third quarter especially in that first five minutes those kids really came out committed to each other uh, and just dominated on every sense of the word we hold them to one shot uh, every single time down the floor and again what we were able to do is is not so much that you know we were lighting it up per, on the offensive end we shot it well but anytime we missed, we got it back in that third quarter. I mean, we already dominated the offensive glass. We had 22 in the game. I'm not sure what the total number was, but I can guarantee you there was at least five, seven, maybe eight that we had in that third quarter. For every miss that we had, we were immediately able to put it right back in. And so that's how you really double up on a quarter like that. Because, again, as much as we felt like we played solid defensively, Youngstown still had a good number in 19. But the pace and the way that the, the frequency we were able to kind of continue to score was a little bit too much pressure for them. 
So big win, 79-62. to 62. Exciting to get that win in the first tournament game. And really, uh, even though the record overall hasn't been where this program's won in the last five or six years, this team's had great success in at least winning one conference tournament game in just about every season. So another conference tournament win after last year's over Detroit, this year over Youngstown State in the first round, again by a score of 79 to 62 but unfortunately the reward is to play the best team in the conference as you turn around and play green bay an early game the next day after being the second of the two women's games on friday you're the first of the two games on saturday so a quick turnaround and green bay awaited and uh, coach doro said it best in the post-game press conference the first thing she came in they they asked for an opening statement she said something along the lines of Wow, they're good. And Green Bay showed how good they were in that game. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's a tale of two different things. You have to give Green Bay all the credit in the world. They showed the, the kind of team that they are. Um, kind of uh, really a little bit, I want to say, not entirely different than what they were during the regular season. And I don't want to suggest for a single moment that they were coasting during the regular season. But this team and those seniors and those upperclassmen have been here before. They've been ranked in the top 25, even the top 20. They've won championships. They know what this time of year is about. Uh, and they were ready to turn it on, and they were able to do that. Again, the short turnaround certainly didn't help us. Uh, but I'm not sure who would have walked into the gym that day against Green Bay uh, the way they were shooting the three that day, especially, especially in the first half. Uh, we walked into a buzzsaw and weren't just quite ready and weren't able to overcome that on any particular level. We were disappointed with the way our defense was in the first half, especially. We felt good about our game plan in the sense of what we'd done against Green Bay in the past, again, just speaking specifically to our defense. Uh, but, uh, again, it, it just wasn't going to matter on this court, uh, on this night, uh, the, the or I should say this day, uh, the way Green Bay was going to shoot the ball. They were able to, to really distribute. Uh, and it wasn't just one particular player. They were balanced right down the board. Uh, all of their top players were able to do some big things, again, in that first half and really kind of put it away in the first quarter before we were even able to kind of get the, you know, the morning you know, eye boogers out, if you want. Uh, Green Bay jumped out, and it was over in the first quarter in the sense of, you know, the way the scoring went and the way you felt, they really came out and took all of our momentum that we had created uh, the night before. They took it away within the first eight minutes. Uh, and that was incredibly disappointing. Again, more so on the defensive end because we felt we had a solid matchup, a solid game plan. Uh, we just weren't able to execute it on any level, whether it was zone or man. Uh, and we tried just about everything that we had in the arsenal within that first quarter to stop the bleeding. Uh, and then we just couldn't keep, you know, handle it on the offensive end. So uh, credit gives, uh, goes to Green Bay. We were disappointed with the way we played. Uh, but again, uh, that team is, knows how to win this time of year, uh, and that's our objective. We want to reach that level. That's the competition we want to be. Uh, we've got to step up and match it. Yeah, they shoot over 60% from the floor in the first half. They hit 10 threes. And, and you mentioned both there, Justin, and this may be a tough question, but how much of it was Green Bay just hitting everything and how much of it was uh, you not executing the defensive game plan the way you want it? Yeah, that's a tough one. I've watched it again. Um, and had a chance to kind of look at it and, and you talk about the game plan and talk about the scouting report and you, and you, and you want to see the look and the fire and the, and the belief in some of your players. Um, and within the first four or five minutes, there were questions in their eyes. You know, what was going on? What am I missing? What am I not doing? And I really believe that, it, you know, we didn't come out with the right energy level and the right kind of uh, mentality, the right kind of makeup in a championship level because to them, this was the championship game because they compete when you're in the tournament, every game is if it's for the championship for them. I'm not sure we took that approach as far as our players when they walked in there. Uh, we didn't necessarily walk in with the right mentality that we walked in the night before. You know, we needed, to, we needed it. It was a must win. This was the game. We had to have it. They were confident. They were strong. They were tough. And certainly it's a different opponent, so there's different expectations, whatever the case may be. 
But that's the mentality you have to have every single time you walk on the floor. I'm not sure our kids brought it that day. Um, and I think if they were to tell you that themselves, they would feel like whether it was being tired or the fact that they had to play Green Bay or, or the, like I said, the turnaround, whatever the case may be, maybe they were satisfied. We're not sure. Uh, we're disappointed in that. Um, but again, uh, credit goes to Green Bay and what they've done. I'm not sure it would have mattered who walked in that day, the way they played. Uh, I mean, it would have taken a Power 5 team to come in in that day and withstand what Green Bay was doing. Any other mid-major would have probably come up with the same result. Uh, that's not an excuse for the way uh, we were disappointed in our first half performance. Because, again, we come out in the second half, we execute, we do things the right way. We're the team we thought we were going to be for four quarters. Unfortunately, the first half was not at all. We looked like we hadn't gotten out of bed yet. They actually outscore Green Bay in the second half. You win the fourth quarter 19-9. to And uh, Monty Scott Thompson in her last game in a Valpo uniform, and that was a nice storyline, got in, hit two threes late. Uh, good to see her go out on a high note. And, and for both Haley Thompson and Monty Scott Thompson to get a win in the conference tournament uh, is always nice for your senior season. It, it was. I mean, it was good to get the win the day before for them, mm-hmm. so they had a chance to feel that, the, the same thing we'd had last year. They went out as you know, conference tournament. They've had some success. They got two wins. Uh, unfortunately, we had the two losses that followed it up. But, but I felt like both seniors actually played pretty well in the minutes and the opportunities they got in this particular game. Haley did a very good job for us on the defensive side, uh, really held her own and kind of, kind of was a stabilizing force for us, excuse me, especially in that second half, which was huge for us, which, which again allowed us to really outscore them in that second half. Um, you know, it just wasn't enough with our, some of our younger kids in that experience that moment. They weren't able to withstand uh, what Green Bay brought that day. Um, so, again, it was nice to see in the sense not so much the end result, but to see them play well in their last games. Uh, and that's all you can really ask for outside of a win. Did they play well? I thought both of them stepped up in their roles and, and that day and played particularly well. And Allison Schofield hit, goes 4-for-4 four four from beyond the three-point arc, and she ends up with a career-high 15 points, a bright spot in this game. No question about it. I mean, quite frankly, you know, outside of, of Danny Franklin, you really look at our roster and kids who've been getting minutes and, and were consistent natures. Nobody really showed up for that game in the first half. Uh, bright lights, as we mentioned, tournament pressure, playing the number one seed, yada, 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 whatever the case may be. But it didn't bother Allison Schofield. She stepped up, uh, accepted the challenge, uh, really did some nice things for us and stepped into some open spots where we, some people some created some shots for her. Uh, but the best thing about when she stepped in is she was ready. She was prepared and wanted that moment. And that's something you have to have and have to want inside of you when you step in to that type of game, to that type of environment. It's a championship environment, championship game. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a different round, but every game is for the championship because it takes you to the next step. We only had two players really who, and I look at the film, really stepped into those moments and were ready to do that as far as kids who got consistent minutes and were, you know, in those roles. And we talked about it, green-based kids, they're all, they've all been there before. They know how to be, you know, the players they're capable of. They know their roles. They're comfortable. They want to shine in that moment. We didn't have enough of that. Allison Schofield was one of them, and, and, and big props to her for doing that. It was nice to see her step out and give us a little bit of support in that first half and, and second half as well. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the tournament and the tournament experience. This is a big topic over the course of the week in Detroit. It's the second year that the men's tournament has been in Detroit at the neutral site, the first year that now the women's tournament joins it there. So I think everyone around the tournament kind of talking about this topic, how does this compare to the way it was previously? Uh, so what were your thoughts, Justin, your take on playing this now that you've been there and we touched on a little bit in advance of the tournament but now that we've both been and seen it uh, what's your opinion on playing this in Detroit instead of going to the regular season winner which is most often been Green Bay 
You know, I, I didn't uh, I didn't feel a, a whole lot different in the sense of, you know, the travel and the expectations and the preparation and the things like that. The, the, the one thing that I will say, and I think every coach would, would agree with this or echo this, the practice situation becomes pretty difficult in, in finding time to get on that main arena floor when you're playing both the men and the women at the same time. Uh, some of the, the turnaround times from day to day can be a little bit challenging. That being said, you want to look at it, it didn't seem to bother Milwaukee's men, right? They were the 10 seed and they find themselves in the championship game. So, you know, there's all these, these little things as a coach. I think they affect you more than they do your players or, or your staff in the sense of your routine as a coach. You like to kind of keep things as, as, as regimented as, as the same as you possibly can. And when you only have half-hour practice times and they could be very, very early in the morning and you have less than 24 hours turnaround in some of your game times and your preparation, some of those things affect probably more of the coaching staff than they do the, the players. So in that respect, it's challenging and can be a little difficult. Now, that said, if you look at it on a broader scope and more from a player's perspective or as a fan, this had to be a great thing to be a part of, to watch, to witness, you know, to really sit in and watch two women's games, two great women's games the first day, and then you have two huge men's games that same night. And that's a huge environment. You can't ask for much more than that. You can take your kids there so they can watch the other women's games or the men's games. They get a great feel for what tournament basketball is all about and what March Madness is all about. Some of us don't get to play in the national tournament, you know, especially when you're playing at the mid-major level. It's difficult to get in. You're usually a one-team a one team or a one-league bid. You're going to get one team in, and then the Horizon League has been very strong. We, we typically get three, sometimes four other teams in some of the smaller tournaments. But what Mark Magis is all about and what you grow up as a kid thinking about is the NCAA tournament. This is as close as some of us may get, uh, and I felt like the Motor Sydney Madness really brought a, a good experience for our kids. And, and, again, to get a win there, to experience, to get to stay the night again, to know you're going to play the next day, that's a great feeling and, and, and memories that I think will stay with, with all of our players. Yeah, I, I think that I, being there actually kind of swayed my opinion on this. I really enjoyed the experience, and I thought that especially for the women's team to, to be able to be there with the, the men's tournament I thought was huge. And I thought it seemed like your players really enjoyed the experience. And, and then the, to be able to stay around and to see the Valpo men's team play, I think there are a lot of advantages. I think the one thing that you touched on, and I think that the league did a great job with the tournament in my opinion. I thought it was great. The one thing that you touched on the people have talked about uh, is the the shoot around times it becomes difficult how much of a challenge is it because I think uh, some of us don't really have an idea uh, how much of a factor does it play when you're not able to get on that main court on the day of the game when you're limited to maybe a 30 minute shoot around the, uh, over 24 hours ahead of your game it could be difficult and, and I think it's challenging in the sense again as we speak on, the, on a coaching side first just your rhythm and your routine because typically your shoot around or your practices this time of year or anywhere between you know, an hour to maybe 90, hour 45 tops, you know, because, again, you're trying to save your legs and you're really just kind of implementing one or two new things here and there and just kind of refining, and then you want to get your kids off the floor and save them. But when you go into a new arena and a new environment, especially one like Joe Lewis, it's an arena. Now, we play in a lot of great gyms, and there's some basketball-specific arenas that we play in, but nothing that we play in can compare to Joe Lewis Arena. You know, Wright State has a very big facility, and it's a great facility, but it's not the same. Cleveland State, the same thing, a, a larger arena, if you will. Green Bay has a great, you know, facility for women's basketball, but it's not the same. It's not the huge arena where we're literally blacking out the top seats because it holds so many. 
so when you're shooting in that kind of cavernous environment and the backboards aren't really against the wall and it's a different type of depth perception and it's a different floor and, and it, there's even just that different experience when you walk into the building as a player and you're like, wow, this is what it's all about. And you literally have 29 minutes and 59 seconds to get as many shots up as you can and get some sort of comfort feeling there. It can be a little difficult, a little bit challenging. So uh, as a coach, you're, you're looking at, well, I only got I got to fit some stuff in in 30 minutes. What's the most important piece? Do I just shoot? Do I just let my kids get as comfortable as they can and get as many shots up as possible? Or do I want to get them in there and show them, okay, this is what's focus on our opponent. Let's do what we would typically do in a shoot around. So those are the challenges and the kind of the questions you start to just throw at yourself and your staff. Uh, so again, I think the, the bigger question becomes more about getting your players comfortable. Uh, and other coaches may disagree, but I think in that 30 minutes, we did a solid job of just letting our kids get comfortable with the arena uh, as best you can, get shots up, try to get that depth perception, try to get a feel for the rims, the nets, the environment, the spaciousness, all of those things. And it was able to, to kind of pay off for us in the first game. We were also fortunate with some good scheduling to find another place to practice uh, so we could get our full you know, hour, hour 15, where we could focus on our opponent and, and refine some of the things we were trying to add in. Uh, so those we made some adjustments and, and did some good things there as, as a staff to kind of make things as, as close to normal as we could. Uh, and those things paid off for, especially in the first game. And, and while we didn't perform as well as we would like, we, we certainly felt like we were prepared and, and ready to go uh, for our second game as well. So it worked itself out, but it, it, it's a tough and, and it's a touchy environment, as we know, as we, as we kind of, you know, some of, the, some of the men's side and even some of the, uh, the higher seeds on the women's side were not happy uh, with the shooting arrangements and things like that. You might even know more about that specifically than I would. Sure. Well, let's turn the page from this, though, and let's talk about the season as a whole. As you look back, uh, simply put, I mean, how would you assess this season, how you remember this se- this women's basketball season? Um, you know, uh, I'm not a big roller coaster guy, but that's the, the best thing yeah. I can come up with because we came into the season with our new class coming in with the returning core players feeling pretty positive about where we could go and the progress we were going to make. Uh, we had some early issues, and every team does, so none of this is, you know, when you're listening and you hear these things, as, you know, a coach talking, none of these are excuses. The bottom line is we are what we are and what we were what we were. But the expectation level and where we thought we were going to be coming into the year, we felt like we would be a, a team that could, could compete with the middle of the pack, be somewhere in that top five. And some of the injuries started to occur. Uh, then a few more started to happen. Uh, so our preseason got off to a rocky start. Um, disappointing there. Nothing you can do. Those are things are unfortunate things that you can't have. You know, you can't plan for, uh, and you can't do anything about. You try and work past them, and you move forward as best you can. And, and again, everybody. You know, I wouldn't say everybody, but this happens to teams throughout. You know, in every every season, it's part of what uh, you know college basketball life is about. Uh, we were able to kind of bounce back from that right about the beginning. We felt like we started to get into a little bit of a groove there at the beginning of the non-conference schedule, finding ourselves. Uh, and the offense was really starting to move and click. At least we felt like the ball was moving, we were hitting shots, and we always felt like, as we've commented on this, this, this show several times, we really expected to be a pretty good three-point shooting team. That didn't quite materialize outside of a few individual uh, games and a few individual players. Uh, but earlier in the year when you saw us or watched us or came out to, to see, you know, our Crusader team play, we, we were a pretty formidable offensive team against those opponents um, and did some really good things early on in the non-conference. We were doing some, playing some, you know, up and down situations. Then all of a sudden we got on the road and our young kids didn't perform as well as we'd like or as well as they expected. 
Uh, so it kind of went up and down, up and down, up and down like that. But most of that was you could count on and look at our defensive performances. Um, so, we, again, we knew what we had to work on coming into the conference season, uh, felt prepared for it, but still felt like we were in a good position, made some progress in the non-conference, um, and were ready to go. Uh, then we had some other things kind of go uh, against us, if you will, right before conference started with uh, some other injuries, some illnesses, uh, and then we also lose our coach. Um, so those kind of things kind of pile on early, and then you, you find yourself in a tough stretch where you have to play the best team in the league twice within, you know, 10 days, I think it was. And that's tough to kind of regroup and re-get your confidence. And then, again, we, without your head coach kind of steering the ship, uh, the rest of us as a staff did the best we could and felt like we made some really good progress on the defensive end. Um, but in doing so, we may have lost a little bit of some of that uh, offensive prowess that we had established uh, in the first half of the season. So it was kind of a, a catch-22. Uh, you can't win without stopping people, but you also can't win if you can't score. So it's, you know, toss the ball up, one take the other. Which one do you focus on? We focused on the defense, figuring that, well, we'll, we'll, we'll slow it down, if you will. We'll, we'll, our prowess will be more important there until we can find our shooting again. We never really found the shooting again, maybe till the, till the February mark hit. Um, but our defense picked up, uh, and with that, our confidence started to pick up. And right about those two things started to happen. We hit the month of February, and we made a nice little run here at the end to really kind of show the team we thought we were capable of being all year long. We had some good wins to end the year, beat some solid teams. Uh, beat a good, even though I know they were beat up, a good Youngstown team twice. We beat a good Detroit team at home. Uh, we finished the year strong with a nice win against UIC. Uh, went into the tournament, got another win. So, again, we finished on that upswing. We ran into the buzzsaw Green Bay again at the end there, um, and they handed it to us. Uh, more props to them as, again, they went on to, to win the, the Horizon League tournament and wish them the best of luck in the NCAA tournament to, to represent the Horizon League. Uh, but, again, and, I, and just to kind of, you know, bring it all back full circle that roller coaster of the ups and downs you know we came in with the highs and then boom right off the bat you're kind of stricken with some bad luck uh, but then you bounce back and you get in the non-conference and your offense is really kind of carrying you uh, and then you run into a few teams late in the non-conference who can defend and really we're going to shut that down uh, and then all of a sudden we come down to low a little bit and then we get to conference and then the offense doesn't really bounce back for us after Christmas then we lose our coach you know, there's a lot of different things, a lot of adversity that we had to overcome as an entire unit. But to finish the year the way we did with our young kids really showing what they are capable of, finally kind of making the progress we expected, it was a good thing. You know, you, you feel good in the sense of way it ended. Um, you can't ignore what happened in the middle and, and the progress we have to make as a staff, the changes we need to make and implement to, 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 to help our younger kids as, as they grow and the new class comes in. But again, to, to finish the right way, finish it out uh, the, the month of February in the right direction, uh, leaves a positive, if you will, uh, taste as you move into the offseason. And let's face it, this is something we haven't talked about all season because obviously you're focused on the personnel that you have here and you're not focused on excuses of players that were here before. But your leading scorer and leading rebounder from a year ago had a chance to go uh, play with her sister and she transferred out of the program. So that was just adds to the adversity. It started before the uh, season even started and it's something that when a player transfers, obviously when a player graduates and a, a good player leaves, it's expected and the staff has recruited uh, to atone for that loss. And when it's something on expected happens it's an extra challenge for the coaching staff to try to work around that so there was certainly uh, quite a bit of adversity over the course of the year and I think to finish strong and to go four and three over the last seven games certainly uh, gives some positive feeling around the team 
going into the off season here. But you finished with the same record you had a year ago at 10 and 21. So I think the big question and the most important question that fans want to know, how would you compare where the program is right now to where it was a year ago at this time? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question and one that we have to sit down as a staff and, and really evaluate as well because, you know, we have to do self-evaluations just like the players do and we expect them to do. So if it's, it's only fair if we're going to judge and, and, and hold them accountable, we have to do the same thing to ourselves. Uh, and I think we're starting to, to do that, especially now that there's that break. You get a chance to look at what could we have done differently, how could we have managed our situations better. And you can't expect or foresee the type of injuries and the, and the illnesses and then obviously you know, coach having the procedure where she had to, you know, step away for a while. So those are some huge hurdles. Uh, but at the same time, there's things that we can do to help, you know, stress it and, and work more towards the strength of each individual player and do those types of things. So I know that we're going to do that. Uh, I know that uh, a few of us have already kind of started that on the individual uh, basis with our individual skill groups, if you will, or the position groups, I should say. I know when we get back together as a staff after a couple of days, because most of us are out on the road right now kind of uh, recruiting and finishing up those you know, final pieces as well. We have a few of our players, uh, our signees, if you will, still out there playing, so we're making sure we get out to, to watch them as much as we can and, and hopefully finalize and wrap up our 2018 class here in the next few weeks as well. So um, you know, there's a few things that are kind of a, a bigger priority in the sense of the immediate future. Uh, but there's no question that we need to sit down and evaluate that as well as the staff and make sure we're making the right progress. If you ask me today, which you clearly just did, so I'll get <laughs> to the answer. Long story short that I, I failed to do for you. I, I would say, quite frankly, we finished maybe a little bit above last year in the sense of how we finished. Um, there were points in the year I thought we were way ahead in progress. And then when you start conference 0-9, I would say, wow, we've really taken a step back. And there's no shame in admitting that that's just the reality and the facts whatever the excuses or the reasons behind it injuries illness losing your coach when you start 0 and 9 it doesn't matter the fans you know they can be you know as nice or as cordial as patient as they want to be when you start 0 and 9 nobody likes you anymore you know what I mean and and, and everybody's going to get on you and start to question you and, and rightfully so do they know the whole story or what we've dealt with or how we've worked on it or what our young ladies are going through or frankly what even what our coach is going through no they don't and they don't need to know, you know, as a, as a fan or, or even sometimes, you know, outside resources or, or whatever, or, you know, however the case or however you want to look at it, they don't know the whole story. They don't know our quote-unquote family and our family matters and what we keep in-house. Um, but to see us bounce back, to finish the way we were capable of, I think that kind of got that taste away. It got our kids to start believing in it again, and they started to believe in themselves, which is always the biggest point uh, and the biggest hurdle when you start that record and you start that way in conference. So, again, I think at the end we finished uh, a little bit above, but certainly not the progress we had hoped for or expected. Uh, I think this is going to be a big offseason for us, for, for everybody, and not only the, our players but our, our, with our signees coming in and the coaching staff. I think for all of us it's going to be a, a, a big challenge and a big hurdle. Uh, but I know I'm excited about it. I know our staff is really excited about it. We have some ideas and some, and some new things we're going to kind of put in together here as far as the postseason goes. Uh, and we're excited to see where it takes us. But I, I think if you, uh, on the whole, to, to try and answer the question just specifically as I can, I think we probably finished maybe, you know, one or two pegs above where we finished last year. But that certainly wasn't what we expected or what we wanted either. And you look ahead, 92% of the scoring is back next year. And we talk about how this has been an inexperienced team. And now it's exciting because you have the second 
uh, highest percentage of your scoring back in the conference, right? State at 96% and Valpo at 92% going into next season. You add to that what is a solid recruiting class, and the excitement for next year is huge. But at the same time, there's a pressure that comes with it, Justin, because I think that now the inexperience is kind of uh, almost out the window, and you're at a point where it's a very important season for the program. Yeah, I think, again, these kids who have played um, these young sophomores who are now going to be juniors, uh, it's over. You know, you don't get to say, I mean, you can say you're still going to be a young team because we're bringing in, at the moment, four more freshmen. You know, we've added large classes every year that I've been here to kind of increase our talent pool, to increase our options, and continue to, to do the things that we've done when we've been successful in that side of it. It hasn't translated to the court yet because we haven't found the right ma- match and mesh of every little component, whether it be injury, as you mentioned, transfer, you know, whatever the case may be, style of play, defensive principles. We've kind of had to mix and match, and there's always that youth and experience. But that's what happens when you're building. You know, I know there's, you know, none of us are as patient as we want to be. We wanted it to happen right now. We expected it to be a little further along, if I'm telling the honest truth. But the reality is, is when you're building and you're doing it the absolute right way from the ground up to make sure you have great kids, great citizens, and great kids that want to be a part of this type of program and this type of university, it's going to take time. And we've done that. So now, as you mentioned, is there a certain pressure? There's no doubt about it. If we're not getting it done next year, and, and I don't know what that means. I don't have a goal in the sense, and I'm not sure we do as a staff. Does that mean we're competing for the Horizon League championship next year? I don't know. I certainly would hope so. But the reality is, is we need to make progress and get up in the standings, and then let's see where it falls from there. Because I think if we're already putting ourselves at now the next goal, you don't go from 9 to 1. You know what I mean? And, and that's just not how you build things. But do I think we can go from nine to somewhere in the middle to higher and certainly over 500 and competing for a tournament spot, whatever postseason berth that is? Absolutely. Now we've got to stay healthy. We've got to do things the right way. We need some of our younger kids to, who are freshmen this year to step up as sophomores. But I know we have the right type of leadership on our team, our upperclassmen in the sense of who's going to be our leaders uh, and who will be seniors. Uh, they're going to lead us in the right way. They lead us the right way in the, in the weight room, on the practice floor, and in the classroom and in the community. All those things uh, are going in the right direction. So I think the people that are within the community, within the university, and within our program all can see that and all know that. It's just a question of making all of those things that we feel like we have, putting them together and actually putting it to fruition. And that is where you talk about pressure we talk about now it's just it's reality it's that time it's not pressure this is just the next step well definitely exciting a lot of accolades coming in as well for your incoming recruits and we'll talk about those here in the coming weeks and that we'll leave this podcast at kind of tying a bow on this season and looking ahead to the future then we'll have a few podcasts here to come and we'll have a lot of time uh, to talk about the incoming recruiting class and to talk about it's a great class folks great class get excited about it concludes this week's edition of the vapa women's basketball overtime podcast we thank everyone for listening over the course of this first season of doing the podcast we're going to keep the podcast coming over the off season and we'll have much more to come as we go into next season here with Valpo Women's Basketball. For Justin Reese, this is Brandon Vickery saying, I hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Valpo Women's Basketball Overtime Podcast.